I'm Margaret Feinberg, and this is The Joycast. Hello, friends. This season, we've been examining some of the lies we're tempted to believe and learning to break free and walk in greater freedom than ever before. If you haven't ordered a copy of More Power To You, Break Free From Fear and Take Your Life Back, it is an incredible holiday gift. So many of us are struggling with our thought lives, and it is time to start paying attention to what we're paying attention to. So jump online or visit your favorite retailer, grab a stack and begin giving them out for Christmas and the holidays. You won't regret it. Well, I don't know if you've ever wrestled with a lie that perhaps you're too much or maybe you're not enough. But I think sometimes these thoughts are implanted in our childhood, maybe from an older authority figure telling us that we need to be super quiet or make ourselves small or communicating that in some indirect way or just kind of leaving us on our own because they sense that we are too much. Sometimes those thoughts and those ideas get imprinted in us. And yet we need to realize that God has made us. He has made you perfectly. For my friend, Holly Gerth, she says being an introvert isn't a struggle. It's actually your superpower. She asks if maybe you or someone you know enjoy time on their own, but they like people too. Maybe they're a great listener or they think before they speak or they notice what others miss. Maybe you're someone who can do your best work when you can fully focus. Maybe you're someone who values quality over quantity in relationships. Yet in spite of these incredible strengths and the way that God has wired you or someone you love, maybe you or that person struggle with comparing yourself to others thinking, man, if I was just different, it would be better. But what if instead of thinking you or maybe your child or your spouse or your best friend needs to change, what if you could fully love and embrace yourself and that other person without anything holding you back? What if you're exactly who you're created to be? My friend, Holly Gerth, has a new book called The Powerful Purpose of Introverts, Why the World Needs You to Be You. And so this is an incredibly insightful, well-researched conversation where you're going to discover not just how to love yourself, but how to love others who are different from you better. And man, is there anything more than we could need right now? So pull up a chair and join me for this rich conversation. Holly, it is such a delight to have you on the Joycast. Thank you for having me, Margaret. Oh, and I am excited about your new book. And before we kind of dive into that, you know, this fall, we're taking a look at some of the lies that we believe. There's this sense that in COVID, so many of us have become aware of things, whether it's illusions or false beliefs, that have kind of become more clear and come to the surface in this season. I think one of the lies that many of us wrestle with is this lie that says, I am invisible. I am unseen. And I think that ties into what you've been writing about kind of as you're 
in your journey of coming to acceptance and even celebration of being an introvert. So I want to ask you, first of all, just so we're kind of all on the same page, how would you define an introvert? I would say an introvert is someone, this is how Susan Cain puts it, has a preference for minimally stimulating environments. So that's important to note that it has nothing to do with socializing, how much we like people or parties, any of the myths that we hear. It's literally about how our brains and nervous systems are wired and what that means for how we engage with our external environment. Talk to me about some of the science of that. You've done such a stunning job in researching this. You talk a lot about brain science and neuroscience. And can you speak to that? Yes. So the three big differences between introverts and extroverts from brain science perspective are our primary neurotransmitters we rely on. Extroverts rely more on one called dopamine that is more rev you up, energetic. Introverts prefer one that's called acetylcholine that's more calming, it's restful, it's released when we turn inward, which is why that makes us feel our best or connect with one person over coffee, activities like that. Then same with our nervous systems. We have two divisions, parasympathetic and sympathetic. One is sort of the rev you up one and one is more of the rest and reflect one. And again, there's that introvert, extrovert, just different preferences for those. And then we use different primary brain pathways. They found extroverts use this brain pathway that is shorter and faster. And so that gives them the ability to think on their feet. Introverts use a brain pathway that is longer and more complex. So we are able to give intentional, well thought through responses. And so of course, we all have all these neurotransmitters, we use both sides of our nervous system, we use both brain pathways. But it's similar to being right or left handed, where there's one that we naturally gravitate to first, especially in certain situations or environments. So it's important to note that, that there are some physical differences. And to me, that says we are created as introverts and extroverts, we are designed that way. And the more I've looked into it, the more I truly believe we are a complementary pairing, which means we need introverts and extroverts to be who they are so that that works well. I love the freedom and the joy that you are giving readers. One of the things that you write in your book, and it was such an encouragement, but you said, you don't have to go through years of awkward moments, hurt and missed opportunities like I did. Anyone else ever hidden in a bathroom? Talk to me about what it's been like to kind of to feel like you're an introvert, to, to walk through. What are some of the awkward moments, the hurts, the missed opportunities you've experienced? Well, we live in a culture that happens to be a little more extrovert centric right now. It's interesting that that has not been the case throughout all of history. It's not even true everywhere in the world. For example, Finland keeps getting voted the happiest country in the world and they're primarily introverts. So it's interesting. But in our American culture, we're a little more extrovert centric. And so that means introverts like me can feel they need to change who they are to fit more of that cultural norm. And so that may mean forcing ourselves to do more networking or saying I have to exhaust myself instead of taking the time for restoration and solitude that I need. It means showing up and maybe not being my true self when I want to be that because I feel like if I am, then I won't be accepted. So some of that fear and insecurity can come from that. 
And when we try over a long period of time to be someone we're not, it's just not sustainable. It leads to burnout, which it did for me, exhaustion, (laughs) which it did for me. Also, the sense of being lonely, because even if I have a lot of people in my life, I don't know that I'm fully known, which is what cures loneliness. And even I think it contributed to some of my anxiety and depression. And so all of that comes not from being an introvert. It comes from being an introvert, trying not to be an introvert. So I thought I needed to change who I was. And I actually just needed to embrace who God made me. And when I was able to do that, all of those side effects that I'd been experiencing from trying to be someone I wasn't started to go away. And I did, like you said, start living in new joy and freedom and excitement to share who I was instead of hesitation. That's so beautiful. Let me ask, in that posture, when we're unable to accept who we are and really how God made us, I think that so many false beliefs and lies of the enemy can slip in. Things like, you know, no one sees you. Uh, You need to change who you are. You have to be loud to be liked. Uh, It can even get dark and just the voice of the enemy says, you know, you're less engaging. You're less valuable. Nobody sees you. You're invisible. What kind of lies of the enemy did you kind of wrestle with or do you wrestle with in trying to to lay hold of who you are, how you're made, and how Christ made you? Well, I think our culture gets really confused about visibility equaling value or influence equaling attention. And those are two very different things. And I say to everyone, but especially to introverts, when you think about influence, when you think about impacting others, having a life that makes a difference, think about connection, quality connections, not quantity, or, you know, not about visibility, but instead, how can I add value? And I ask people, think about the most influential people in your life who have truly made a difference for you. It's probably a parent, a teacher, a boss, a mentor, What those people have in common is not that they were the most visibly successful people in your life. They were the people who empowered you to be successful. And so that is the key that if we want to impact others, it's not about outward success, whatever that looks like. It's about saying, how can I help others be successful? How can I help them be who they are created to be? And when we live from that posture, we have true and lasting impact and influence. And the reality is we may be a little less visible because we are leading from behind. But that is the way that Jesus led. He deeply invested in 12 men that most other people might not have chosen. He empowered them and then he entrusted them with a mission. And so I think we have a beautiful example to follow in that. So in the moments that people, especially introverts, feel invisible, I would say just remember that visibility does not equal value. Your worth is an unearned gift. It's so good. And I think the scripture confirms in every situation, every moment that God sees you. I mean, I think of Hagar in the Bible, that Egyptian slave and handmaid who serves Abraham and Sarah. And, you know, in their desire for a child, they agree that Abraham should sleep with Hagar and she gets pregnant. And yet 
in the process, Abraham and Sarah, they don't even see Hagar in some ways. They don't see her as human. And Sarah mistreats her and not once do they even speak her name in the text. I mean, you talk about making someone feel invisible and she runs for her life in the wilderness and yet God meets her there. And not only does the angel of God call Hagar by name, but he shows this loving interest in her by asking her where she's coming from and where she's going, which ties into what you're saying, that idea and that importance of being known and that God knows her and God knows us and God saw her. And even she names the place where she was, Elroy, meaning the God who sees me in the same place. God sees you, every single listener, right as you are, right as you're made. And he not only sees you, but I think he celebrates you. I'm curious how you look at the celebration. How have you learned to celebrate how God has made you in this way? Well, I mean, I think it's challenging for all of us, you know, but I'm inspired by Psalm 139.14 that And one translation says, I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. And so I think we sometimes fear that celebrating who we are means we're being prideful, but we learn from that verse that it leads to praise, not to pride. And so we don't have to be afraid of that. I think saying who God made me is good. It's just coming into agreement with the truth. And that is a process. It's something we kind of know in our heads, but in the everyday reality of being human, we forget over and over and over, or at least I do. And so I think it's just coming back to that truth, having truth speakers in your life. When you hit an obstacle with a lie that you can't get past on your own, reaching out for help with that. And really just understanding that our strengths and gifts are entrusted to us, but they are not about us. And that's what makes me really excited about seeing introverts step up, especially now, because I think so many of the qualities our world needs, like empathy and understanding and the willingness to bring people together, that kind of intentional relationship, long suffering, a lot of the things that introverts are naturally good at are what our world needs to start healing. And so I want to see that happen. I want introverts to not only say who I am is okay, but to be able to say I am made in an amazing and wonderful way. So good because in that there is no fear and there is no shame. In in your book, you mentioned earlier in the interview as well about Finland. And I love this detail in your book. You talked about Finland is known as the land of introverts, um, but they wanted to get some more kind of marketing strategy to get people to travel there. Can you tell us that story? Yeah. So a hundred marketing experts met in Helsinki and they're like, all right, we got to get Finland on the map. And that you would think the natural solution is get louder, be the next Las Vegas, you know, excitement, all this. And they said, no, in today's world, silence is a commodity that people want. Quiet is something people are searching for. Peace and a way to step back from everyday life is needed. And so they leaned in to being an introverted country and their tourism went wild. It accomplished everything they hoped. And like I said, they keep getting voted the happiest country in the world. And so I think that's just such a great example of how we often sit down and say, okay, I've got to change who I am. I've got to 
be more exciting or louder or bold, whatever it is that we have in our minds, when the answer is actually saying, you know what, what I have to offer is needed in this world. And I can lean into that instead of trying to run away from it. Mm, So good. So good. You know, I think part of the challenge and another thing that's just kind of come to the surface for many of us during this pandemic and kind of being at home and a little bit more for many of us, depending on where you're living, but is the sense of the way that our needs were met before COVID, a lot of them, the access to having our needs met in those ways has been cut off. Uh, I know for many of my parent friends, you know, they used to have all day at home and now suddenly they're with their kids all day or their family all day or the kids who would travel away and go to camp or whatever that may be, you know, that access to, to quiet time, to stillness, or for those who are more extroverted or are just, um, you know, people who long for adventure, for instance, and that could be introverts as well. But, you know, they love to, like myself, I love to travel. I love to see new things. And that's just, you know, that's just not accessible like it was a few months ago. And so my husband and I talk a lot about this uh, through the Berkman. He, He coaches people through that, but the importance of getting our needs met. And that when your and my needs are met, we are just such better humans because we're not acting out of our stress behavior. We're acting out of wholeness, out of completeness, out of a complementary nature of ourselves in a place of life. And so I'm curious, I know in the book you provide some ways, but like, what are some ways that introverts and extroverts can look and be intentional about getting their needs met? And especially in this COVID world. Well, I think we all have two sets of needs that you mentioned. One is the need for other people, and one is the need for time alone. And that differs for all of us, again, based on our neurotransmitters and our brains. We are kind of brought into the world with a certain level of a neurotransmitter called oxytocin, which kind of determines how much time with people we need, and another called vasopressin that sort of acts as a counterbalance that influences more how time alone we need, how much time alone we need. And so knowing that, I think first is giving ourselves permission to know there is no right way. There's only what you need based on the way you're designed by God. And it's been interesting having conversations during this season because I have some (laughs) extrovert friends who are like, get me out of here. I'm over this. And then I've had introvert friends who have said, I feel free for the first time in my life. I am happier than I've ever been. And both of those are totally okay and have no influence on how much either of those individuals care about people. It's not about that. It's just like you said, our needs. And so I would say just paying attention to that because of that brain wiring, it means those needs are regulated. Scientists have found in a similar way to hunger and thirst. And so we don't have to necessarily say, okay, I, I only get X amount of, you know, whatever time, social time or alone time. Just listen, like you were saying to what you need. And (coughs) sorry. And if you need more time with people, then finding a creative way to do that. 
whether that's Zoom, even though I know we all get tired of it, (laughs) or saying I'm going to intentionally go on a walk. I think intentionality with both of these needs is important, is actually sitting down with our calendars and say, when am I going to plan something social, even if that looks different right now? And then also, when am I going to plan time for solitude? And I think that's the one that can get missed more is the solitude. And extroverts need it too, maybe not in the same quantities, but they also need solitude. And so get out your calendar, pick a minimum amount for both of those needs. Try it this week. If it works for you, then do it again. If it doesn't, adjust until you find a rhythm that is right for you. And it's okay to get creative. I have a quote in the book by Joanna Gaines where she says... (laughs) Her life is so busy and she's an introvert that her way of getting time alone is locking herself in her car for five minutes before she goes into any new event. And that works for her. It's enough for this season of life. And so it's okay to get creative and lock yourself in the bathroom or whatever you need to do to get those needs met because nothing about our lives is normal right now. And there's no right way, like I said. So just experiment and Continue what works and throw out what doesn't. And no, you don't have to do it like anybody else. Amen. And I think for some listeners and my friends who you know are just pressed around the clock to make that sense of getting your needs met, it is not selfish. It is actually one of the most sacrificial things you can do. Because if you are living out of a place of having your needs met, carving out that time to lock yourself in a car, go for a long drive, sit in the bathtub, sorry, nobody else is allowed in the bathroom, whatever that may be, then all of a sudden you have more to give. You have more to pour out. You have more to love and to serve. Would you agree with that, Holly? Yes, absolutely. And I think, again, we see that modeled in the life of Jesus, where he would go into the mountains by himself and pray or get up early. He had rhythms in his life where you see him come into contact with a lot of people, but you also see him pulling back and choosing solitude as well. And so I think knowing both are just part of the rhythm of our lives, of our relationship with God, of our relationship with others, our relationship with ourselves. And like you said, I totally agree. I tell people that time alone is not selfish. It's actually an act of service because it will empower you to be at your best for those that you are called to love. So let me ask you now, in this season, are you in a place and stage in life where it's easy for you to find that kind of time to recharge or is it more challenging? And how are you practically doing it, Holly? You know, it is because we have a crazy, wonderful family story where we adopted our daughter when she was 20. We couldn't have kiddos of our own. And so we sort of skipped the entire having kids at home phase. So she has two kiddos of her own now. And so one's only three weeks old. So I've been trying to spend a lot of time with them. But when it comes to my own household, I do have fairly easy access to that time alone. Now, what can happen is I end up working instead of choosing solitude. And I think that can be another thing that Just because we are in a room by ourselves, that's not the same as solitude. That's physical aloneness, which is one element of solitude. But solitude is time that's proactively chosen and intentionally used for restoration. So that can look different. It can look like going on a walk, reading a book, thinking, you know, whatever it is that's restorative. And so I have to watch that even though I'm not in a circumstance where I have to fight for physical aloneness, the way someone with 
five toddlers might, I still have to be proactive about choosing solitude. And that's hard. I'm in the middle of a book launch. (laughs) I have a lot of work to do and I can be physically alone, but not have that solitude. And so I think that's important to note too, is there's more to it than just being by yourself in a room sometimes. So good. So good. And if you were to give our listeners one encouraging scripture as we come to a close, what would it be? I think going back to that Psalm 139, 14, you know, that we are made in an amazing and wonderful way. And the more we know that, the more we give others permission to know it too. That's what I found, that the most self-aware people are not selfish. They are actually the ones who bring freedom to others because they allow them to be who God made them to. This is Holly Girth. You can grab a copy of The Powerful Purpose of Introverts. And Holly, if people want to find you, what's the best way to do yes. that? Well, I would love for you to stop by my site, hollygirth.com. If you are thinking, I'm not sure if I'm an introvert, then I have a one-minute quiz called What Percent Introvert Are You? Or if you're an extrovert who know, wants to know how much introvert you have in you, because we all have some of that, you can take that there. I also have a whole For Introverts page. And if you're hearing this before the book launches, there is over $75 of free pre-order bonuses, including a free class, a strengths assessment for introverts, and a free audiobook edition of The Powerful Purpose of Introverts. So I would love for people to stop by and take advantage of all of those things. Holly, thank you so much for being on the Joycast.